Welcome to Hungry Minds, a podcast about the power of curiosity, questions, and dwelling in possibility. Today's episode is truly unique. I'll be interviewing my two senior philosophy classes about what they found most meaningful about our course this semester, The Wisdom of Chaos, which uses chaos science as a metaphor for self-cultivation. Now, when most of us think of chaos, words like randomness, disorder, disruptions, and uncertainty come to mind, which we try to avoid like a zombie apocalypse. So it's hard to imagine that anything good or wise can come from it. Yet chaos theory has demonstrated that nature uses randomness, disorder, and disruptions to create stellar nurseries, weather patterns, coral reefs, and new adaptive traits in organisms, for example. In chaos theory is now being applied to a range of other fields, computer science, sociology, economics, and management. Chaos is evolving from a scientific theory into a cultural metaphor. The linguists George Lakoff and philosopher Mark Johnson have written how metaphors shape our perceptions and actions and structure a most fundamental understanding of our experience. So, using chaos as a metaphor allows us to question our underlying assumptions. We've been living by mechanistic metaphors, complements of the scientific revolution ushered in by Copernicus, Galileo, and Newton, and this has helped create our fixation with controlling the world around us. But chaotic, nonlinear systems such as nature, society, and our individual lives lie beyond all our attempts to completely predict, manipulate, and control them. Chaos theory reveals that instead of resisting life's uncertainties and randomness, we should embrace the creative potential they offer. So that's the gist of what the class is about. The way this podcast is going to be structured is around themes we learned about. Groups of students will be discussing themes they found most resonant and meaningful. The themes were lifted from a book we used this semester called Seven Life Lessons of Chaos, Spiritual Wisdom from the Science of Change by John Briggs and F. David Peet. And without further preamble, let's dive in. All right. Uh, the theme we're going to be talking about right now is being creative, lessons from the vortex, very provocative title. And uh, my understanding is you're all going to be talking about um, how we have this generally as a culture, this very tight, narrow definition of what creativity is. And chaos science has really expanded that to where we see creativity all around us. So what did you learn that you found compelling and meaningful? Well, something that really struck me from this chapter was the fact that we've been conditioned to think that creativity is some sort of talent or something that can be learned. Because uh, I think that as we grow up and navigate the world, we're taught that there's only way, only one way to do things. So you go to school, and then you go to college, and you get a job, and then you retire. And there's no room for thinking outside the box or doing whatever abstract thing you want to do with your life. And I think that the way people are conditioned in society leads to the eradication of any individuality or creativeness. And people have come have become so afraid to stand out, they would rather blend in with the masses than go against the flow. And I think one of the ways that society washes out creativity is by forming this conception of perfection. So like I used to love to draw and make collages, but as I got older, I felt like it was harder and harder to make the perfect art piece. 
And when I entered high school, I had such a heavy workload, I didn't even have time to create art. And anytime I set aside some time to paint, I always felt annoyed with my art or like it wasn't good enough or like it wasn't pretty enough. And I think we've created a society in which no one can ever make mistakes. And this leads to people playing it completely in the safe zone. And no one wants to be the one to break the mold or be embarrassed or face imperfection. And I really hope one day people can come around and realize that failure and imperfection aren't always a bad thing. Yeah, so kind of going off what Sophia said, although um, there are many people who feel like this society is kind of holding us back from our creative potential, there are definitely some artists that have kind of don't conform to society's norms and kind of think outside the box. One of these artists would be Paul Cezanne, a famous French artist. So what he did was he changed the way he looked at his landscapes to transfer his visions onto the canvas. And by changing the way he looked at what he was painting, he could see everything from a new perspective. And he also believed that truth can be found in the here and now. So by not dwelling on what happened in the past or what's to come in the future, he was able to totally live in the moment and see everything presently. And I think that everyone can kind of take something from this, both in the context of looking at nature and in just everyday life. So with like the monotony of day-to-day life, we kind of forget to appreciate the world around us and the beauty of it. And I think that by altering our perspective and changing our viewpoint, we can definitely see the world differently and not get stuck in the sort of rut of just seeing everything the same. And I also think that also be put into play in like music or art. Like instead of one making a mistake in your art or one messing up on stage during a performance, instead of just getting tied down by that and just letting that bring you down and mess up the entire performance your entire day, you can look at it positively, kind of push it aside and just move forward. And adding on to that, I think that we can also connect disappointment and uncertainty to creativity. Um, I think that humans really hate the idea of failure and it often ends up as a positive thing in the long run. When we undergo change, we're learning new things about ourselves, even if the period of self-discovery is difficult. We can see this idea in turbulence. A turbulent, chaotic event like a storm might seem like a negative thing, but I think it can also produce beauty in the natural world. Even when the event produces negativity, we can change our perspective and look at it in the grand scheme of things. When we experience turbulence, we are experiencing unfamiliarity. I think that we tend to run away from this because it scares us, but when we embrace it, we can reach a new level of creativity and truth. I was also interested in, find, in the idea of finding truth and creativity beyond our exterior. I think that we tend to fall into familiar routines that we know or feel comfortable with. You can only find the truth in yourself once you dare to go deeper and experience the unknown. We tend to think of ourselves as uncreative because we are scared to take risks. I think this also relates back to the idea of beauty and chaos. Many successful artists have experienced trauma or turbulence throughout their lives. That push was what they needed to find the creativity inside of them that they wanted to communicate to the world. I think that once we accept the chaos in our lives, we can dig deeper and find out what is creative within us. So something that Lindsay talked about that really stood out to me and was super meaningful about this book and this chapter um, was the concept of turbulence. I think when we all hear that word, we all think of you know, a scary plane ride experience where, you know, walls are shaking and the captain's uh, over the loudspeaker and everyone's freaked out and right. I know my mom gets super nauseous. It's a whole thing. Um, but I, I don't think anyone really associates that word with, with creativity. And after reading this chapter, I think we can all agree that we kind of see how they go hand in hand. 
Um, a quote that really stood out to me from the book was, it's often said that creativity and madness go hand in hand. And that's said by the authors of the book. Um, and I think it, it kind of really portrays how artists produce their best work when they're undergoing major life changes. So this can be seen in art and dreams and sports and life and just everything that people are doing. When life is crazy and things are happening and it's unpredictable, people tend to produce their best work because their brain is trying to adapt. Um, and I think part of that is because um, this, like emotions are sparked um, from the brain's natural instinct to want to put energy into something creative. Um, for me personally, I know that I function best when I'm under a little bit of pressure and I have a deadline. Like for example, there was a college <laughs> um, application that I had to do and I, I didn't, there was an essay that I, that was like hidden really deep in, in the application I didn't know I had to write until, I don't know, it was about seven hours before it was due. And I just sat down, I knocked it out, and it was, everyone who read it was like, this is one of the best essays that, that you've written. So it's just one of those things that, you know, your, your body and your brain has to adapt to turbulence and the concept of it being not what you expect and has to adapt and, you know, make up for it in certain ways. Right. Um, circling back to the points about accepting failure and using art to see what's in the present, and especially Sienna's points about turbulence and unpredictability, creativity is a large portion of finding the truth in the world. Um, in the book, it says that truth is something lived in the moment and expressive of an individual's connection to the world. And through creativity, one is not bound to structure. Um, it allows free-flowing ideas and seamless organic patterns. And it's also said that truth is not a fixed point. It is not static. It cannot be measured by words. It is not a concept but an idea to be achieved. I believe that truth can be achieved by creative people because it is not an attempt to falsify reality. And those who are conditioned by society are more, more or less trained to assimilate to the most common denominator. Um, it's easy for them to just accept reality presented to them um, by people who are also conditioned in the same way. Um, but truth is not a tangible thing and is not just one thing. Um, it can only be reached by um, seeing the world for what it truly is through a different lens. Thinking outside the box allows one to see the world as genuinely as possible for all of its unrecognizable or seemingly ugly parts. The truth does not have to be the easiest thing to take in, but through seeing it for what it is, it's always beautiful. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, I think we definitely had a lot of creativity this semester. Um, just to give a little window into the course, there was a conceptual component, then there was an experiential component, and then a creative synthesis. So everyone really was, uh, I think, exercising their unique creativity and perspective. And so the question I have for all of you, uh, trying to glean some of your wisdom, what would you pass on to friends, uh, to, to family, just to peers in general, uh, about how to develop more creative confidence when things go sideways, when there is disruption, when there is the chaos of life? How do you rather, how do you not sort of shrink from it, but sort of, I guess, be more bold and kind of embrace creatively what it is and perhaps see if there's a silver lining or if we can expand our creative capacity. What, what would you say? I know you kind of all touched upon it to a degree, but if you were to, I guess, summarize it uh, in a shorter way, what, what comes to mind? How can we be more creatively confident um, in the midst of challenges and, and chaos? Um, I think that people really get in their heads about um, 
I guess, seeing one specific way to do something correctly. And when faced with a challenge, I think people really have to understand that life is what we make of it, and we can take anything into our hands and make it work for us. So I think just understanding that there are different ways to do everything, and nothing is just correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah going off what Mikhail said, I remember last class you posed um, this same question to us, and the first thing that popped into my head was my um, AP Psych class. And our teacher would give us a study guide for each test, and it would have like 200 terms on it. And that was just the study guide she gave us was all of these terms we had to memorize. And so the first few tests, I sat down with Lindsay and my friends, and we just like filled it out. And then we're kind of going through like hundreds of terms. And then I was not doing well on the test and I was like this is not working for me so I started creating my own study guides and like drawing my own pictures to go along with what the like concepts and the terms we were learning and I started doing better and better on the tests and it kind of reminded me that you can do it your own way you don't have to conform to this one way of doing things like even something as simple as studying which you think you'd find the best thing for you and do it but for some reason we're still told like oh here's your study guide this is what you like are supposed to do but it's really okay to kind of put your own twist on it and do what works best for you and have the best experience for yourself to be able to succeed absolutely absolutely i would say to put it, I guess, shortly, embrace uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like understand that you are who you are and you're a different person and who you are is amazing and unique and just be able to accept that and cherish it as something special. Like, be able to say, you know, this works for Sophia, but it doesn't work for me. So, like she said with the study guide, you got to find what works for you and be able to embrace it and be creative and understand that, you know, not everyone's the same and that sometimes it's okay to be different. Other thoughts? Um, Another idea I was really interested in was, actually we learned about it a few years ago, the idea of Taoism. Yeah. And connecting that to uncertainty and creativity, Um, especially like as all the seniors are going through the college process, kind of understanding like, okay, we might not get into the college of our dreams, but whatever path life takes us down is going to be the one for us and really like internalizing that concept of the way. Mm-hmm. And that was really important for me, especially over these past few months. Great. Yeah, exactly. I also think that just knowing that there will be mistakes and failure along the way and that knowing that it, it's not going to be what takes you down. Like there's always a path forward and just embracing the failure and the mistakes because that's a big part of it. Just knowing that yourself, that there will be mistakes and failure. You can move forward from it. Yeah, right. There's always a way forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Excellent. Uh, any any final thoughts or insights about being creative? I think everyone can be creative. I think that's the main thing I took away from right. this chapter mm-hmm. is it's not not only certain people, it's everyone in your own way. Right. I don't even think it means just art too. Like there's yeah. so yeah. many other yeah. ways to be creative. Like I, we're, right. I don't think we all. I think what we did get from this is that you don't have to sit down and paint a masterpiece. Um, you know, watercolor, yeah. whatever. Um, but it's there's other ways to do it. And if being creative for you is you know stepping outside your comfort zone and going on a hike, then you know that there it is. Good, like <laughs> do it, go for it. <laughs> like there's just so many ways yeah. to do it, and you don't have to produce art to be creative. Right. Excellent. 
Well, I couldn't agree anymore. So, so perfect insight, great wisdom. Thank you all very much. Thank, Thank you. you. The next conversation we're going to be having is revolving around this theme of seeing the art of the world. And I think for many people, without having taken any class or even if they're not immersed outside in the natural world, they easily can get the feeling that there's lots of beauty. This can be on the grand or sublime scale from the sculpted canyons of, say, the Grand Canyon or the Valley of, say, Yosemite, but it's even everything in a more simple way from the formation of clouds to uh, the patterns of uh, ice crystals to scatterings of stones on beaches, the angles of branches. So it's, it's out there and everyone probably has an understanding. I think you guys are going to take a bit of a deeper dive. And so given that you chose this theme as being most resonant and meaningful, what is it about that theme of seeing the art of the world that really stood out to each and every one of you? Well, um, I think really to understand what art is, one has to have a conceptual grasp of how it is formed. And so, like for me, I really see that grasp mostly in nature. So specifically, like I think chaos theory, like the mathematical side of chaos really relates to the development of art in nature. So I was like, I was walking outside on like this trail by my house like a week ago. And I noticed like everything around me was essentially like a form of mathematical expression in a way. I was looking at like the sky and the trees and like the trail and there it was kind of raining. So you can see like the imprints of the rain on the ground. And then I noticed like all of these things are really like a combination of these, of these shapes and these patterns and these fractals. And so you have like um, these pyramids, triangles and squares and all these little simple shapes come together and they form like this more, this more complex idea. And that's really the art in nature that I find to be most aesthetically appreciated. Like I appreciate that most aesthetically. And then um, I also think that this kind of mathematical um, idea ha also has is serves to be the foundation in human-made art. Because humans, I think, really, when they look at nature, they take a lot of inspiration from it and they incorporate what they see in nature into their art and to, into their perspectives. And so specifically like the golden ratio and like geometric patterns uh, like that you see in um, nature like flowers and um, even like storms like all these things are essentially fractals in a way because you have like if you zoom in you see these little like patterns and if you zoom out they all form into like one bigger pattern that is the universe and so that is really what strikes me the most about this idea of seeing the art in the world and finally I, I would say that it is really important to recognize the interdependence of these two fields because mm -hmm. I think math and art, they're generally seen as like kind of polar opposites. Like there's a spectrum and math is a, like on one side and then art is over here and then everyone's like, there's no in between. But then <laughs> I think really they're actually quite connected in a way. And I think it's really significant to realize that. And once you do realize that, I think you can really foster a core appreciation and also understanding of of art in the world totally oh, for sure and i think mine's quite different the way that i appreciate and see the art in nature is uh it's a little different than looking at math yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah i grew up uh playing outside and like climbing trees and scuffing my knees and yeah having dirt on my clothes 
and I loved it. I had an amazing childhood, and like it was great. And um, as I grew up, what I kind of realized is that the way my course of life ran through technology, through school, through just living, it seemed as though I'd been almost forced inside a little bit. There is like a bit of me where it's like I'm not able to go outside much longer because I got school, I got homework. I want to watch a YouTube video about something stupid, you know? So it's just, it's just that, that bit of me is almost lost. And I think there is so much beauty in nature. And you can see it through the fractals, as Thomas was saying. You can see it in trees. You can see it in all this stuff. And I think that if humans were able to go back to that, and if they were able to see the art in nature, I'm sure there would be much more profound appreciation for it i know that i need to do that more i know that i need to go outside more on a, on like a pretty evening and watch a sunset or something like that and i don't know one thing that i can relate this to is the uh the astronauts any astronaut you hear about when they come back from their voyage or something if they go out to the space station they always come back saying how small and how fragile the earth is and it's it's kind of thinking that you only got one earth and if you have an, a more of an appreciation for the life that you live there, I'm sure that things can change a whole lot. So, so yeah, that's that's my take on it all. Right. Um, my take is a little bit different from both of you guys. Um, I looked more at the role chaos played through the human art expression. Like, it you it kind of used to be that artists were they had this connection to something greater than everyone else they had this connection to the chaos to Mm. this spiritual world that other people might not be able to connect to and they were able to use that chaos to create these beautiful works of art whether it was through painting or through theater or through poetry through the stories they would tell it it was like this very important very like rational pursuit that people had it was like it was very very important to have these people and we've lost a lot of that like nowadays telling somebody you want to go into an artistic profession is like you're seen as being a little bit crazy. Like people will always tell you how difficult it is to make it in the art world. And yeah, they're absolutely right. It's very difficult, but that's not the important part. The important part is that if you feel that drive to connect people through art, like your art, if that the rest of it doesn't matter, you just you just create and. And having that art, like artistic, chaotic connection to the world around us is, is in my opinion, still very, very important. Like, just, just knowing that there is something beyond what we are given every day is, is having that connection to something beyond what we are given every day is rational it is it is not crazy it is 
if you feel that and you have the drive to create through that that energy that chaos then you should take it and run with it i personally want to go into the arts as my profession i want to be able to connect people to that chaotic side of our world that we try to ignore and yeah people have told me that it's difficult and it's hard and it's going to be hard and i'm going to end up starving but that's not what i'm thinking about i just want to give this experience to people in the best possible way i can and it's not going to be easy but it's something that i very deeply feel about is in our world yeah for sure and this is uh so a follow up question came from what you were saying Josie which is that often uh everything's become so commoditized uh that unless you can make money and a lot of money doing something which generally you don't know what's going to make a lot of money within the arts then people are shied away from it but i think this connects back to the natural world where uh we're so focused on efficiency and productivity that we can think what's the value of immersing ourselves in the natural world what's the value of artistic expression if you're not going to make a living doing it but i think what you're getting to is that how vital creativity and art is for our well-being we all respond in very positive ways to beauty and i think that in the same way being in the natural world has been a raft of research that's come out that just talks about even just seeing a screensaver on our phone or a device of say a tree or natural setting has really positive impact on our physical and psychological well-being and it is amplified if we go outside um so it's why should we be in, outside <laughs> because it actually is good for our physical and mental health So this is the question as a bit of a, a preface to that we've spent as I alluded to in the intro um probably about half the class or at least clo- close to it um immersing ourselves on our beautiful campus we have 500 acres we weren't necessarily tromping around all 500 but but everyone found a spot and multiple spots where they could go and try to experience some of the ideas that chaos science was alluding to and so The question I have is what was it like as Angus was mentioning he spent a lot of time growing up outside and because of school and lifestyle often we're kind of forced more indoors what was it like what was your experience spending so much time outside this semester Honestly it was the highlight of my day I so rarely nowadays get to go outside and just be in nature and being able to come to class first thing in the morning and being put outside into this lovely nature we have here was just it was so peaceful even when classes got out and kids were talking and running around and yelling just being outside with fresh air and trees and and flowers it was just so incredibly calming and and you could and it was it made my day so much better every time not for sure and i mean one thing that i always 
doing classes. Look at the time. It's just yeah. like, oh, when's this one over? Like, yeah. <laughs> what, is, what are we going on in the next? But uh, whenever we go outside, it's always just like, I'm here now. Yeah. I can sit around. I'm in nature. I'm going to experience this. I'm going to take this for all it's worth. And yeah, time, I guess, was like, went by, but it, it didn't seem like I was in a rush or anything. The classes I had following, the homework that I needed to do, the tests, the, all of it. It kind of just went away a little bit. When you just took a step outside and you're just like, hey, I get to experience nature for a little bit. This is great. And so I found that really calming as well as Josie. It was, if not the highlight of my day. So, yeah. Yeah, for, for me, like adding on to what they said, what Angus and Josie just said, I mean, like, yeah, going outside really was a really important part of my day every time. Like, going to school, you usually expect just to be in classes and kind of the slog of everything, and you're, like, doing all your all your work and you're studying and stuff, and, and it's like, you don't really have any time to really reflect on what you're doing, and then, but when you go outside, like we did in this class, it was really, it was refreshing and calming for me, especially because, like, like everyone else said, like, time really just stresses everyone out I think in life a lot and when you're out there it just kind of disappears and you can really focus on everything else and so when I was out there like I I was noticing things I had never even noticed about the school before I've been here for four years and I was like looking around and seeing like I I didn't notice like like the sound of a lawnmower every 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 day it was kind of a little frustrating sometimes when I was trying to like like sketch and draw but when it was there I appreciated it and it was kind of like this is this is how it is this is just nature in its most like pure form and so that to me was really the core of this idea of seeing seeing the art in the world because i had always been so distracted in in school but now i could really do it yeah for sure i mean even to add on to what thomas was saying like i think one thing that going out in nature really did was it helped reinforce the ideas that we learned in this class definitely yeah yeah i mean there's tons of classes where we'll learn a section and then I won't even remember it. But this class, I remember pretty much all of yeah. the sections because we went outside, looked for real life examples, were able to see them through nature. I feel like that, in a way, learning is so much more important than taking notes or studying or something like that. Obviously, if you like studying and taking notes and that's your way to learn, then go for it. But. Just being outside a little bit and seeing yeah. it all, it certainly helped. Yeah, definitely. So are there any final thoughts about nature, <clears throat> chaos, art, fractals? I mean, you, get, you all did a pretty good job of capturing, I think, uh, the complexity, the nuance, and the difference. You each had a, a, a different take, which I think was valuable. So, uh, Perfect. I think that was a great summation of, of the theme, especially on that more idiosyncratic level. I appreciate all your thoughts and creativity and the art that you all did produce in your own way. Uh, and this is the one thing that, that people listening can't see, is that everybody created these electronic books that synthesize the conceptual and experiential using um, their own blend of, of artistic expression as well. So uh, excellent stuff. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. The next thing we're going to be exploring is living within time. Now, this is something that I think is on the hearts and minds of a lot of people. Time has sort of become our captor. Uh, no one seems to have enough of it. 
And, uh, you know, it's been reduced to this mere sort of quantity. But throughout history and in some parts of the world today, uh, people have had a different relationship with time, not just mechanical and clock time. Uh, they've experienced it perhaps with the angle of the sun or through flowering plants, uh, the size of the moon, falling leaves, hibernation, the passage of seasons. Uh, and this is something I imagine in some capacity you might allude to as we've all spent a fair amount of time outside. So what is it about living within time, this particular theme that you both found so meaningful? Yeah, well, I mean, to start, what you were talking about, just like uh, how we're actually surrounded by natural clocks. Um, yeah. It's all around us with the sunrise and the sunset to count the days, the moon cycles to count months, uh, low and high tide showing the passage of, um, you know, the day, or even the rings on trees counting away the years that they've been um, growing on our planet. Um Time is all around us, and yet um, uh, time has been this uh, human-made construct. And by that I mean we've uh, put these numbers to it and made it this linear path. Um, uh, but that's confusing because we don't experience time, literally. Um, and by that I mean think of a time that you were doing something that you absolutely loved, whatever your favorite thing is to do. For me, that's... Uh, recording or making music or writing um, uh, a new story or just hanging out with my friends. But um, time there, the hours that you spend doing that, I bet that they felt like they were just a couple seconds, like went by so fast. And then I'm sure there's been a, a boring office meeting or a last 10 minutes of class that you just really want to get out of, and then just it takes hours for <laughs> that clock to finally reach 12 or whatever. But the point is, time, it seems to move to us, sometimes faster, sometimes mm -hmm. slower. It's all over the place. It's never just a straightforward, um, it's never a straightforward system like we've outlined it to be. Um, so uh, with technology now, time that time is always pressing on us. Yeah. And what I just realized that's like quite ironic um, is that we have created time as humans to really take advantage of this one life that we have. So every moment we want to spend doing something, be with someone, you know. And so we've created this. Um, but yet we also have created technology, which instead totally backfires that idea of wanting to spend time doing something important because we've begun just like wasting so much time um, and I think that really comes from us not wanting to be bored and not wanting to have that moment where like what are we supposed to do right now like I should be doing something because I only have one life I only have this one minute this one hour so I want to do something and then um, usually it's like I want to be entertained so then we turn to these um, things like Netflix Instagram and I think that in a way that's totally just got us to lose track of time, to lose that feeling of being centered and being whole. And then at the end of the day, you really feel like, oh my God, where'd my, where'd my day go? Like, I just feel like I didn't get anything done. I didn't do something productive and I didn't feel um, even connected or, or social because you're just in a different world. So I think that's really important. And just, just thinking in that, when you're in that moment of being bored, just like, this is okay that I'm feeling this right now and 
just to be with it, I think, yeah. because at the end of the day, you're going to be fine just being bored and just being right. like, all right, this is how I feel right now. Like, maybe I'll go do something. I think that that's when kids get really creative. They're like right. bored and then they create something in their room. And I think it's so sad now that they just have the iPad that their right. mom can just give them. And then their creativity is also completely lost. So ties in with that as well. Yeah, I think it's just like um, recognizing that it's okay to just sit there and be bored. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, with um, time is the one thing on this planet that you can't get more of. Um, and uh, you don't know how much more of it you have. You don't know um, really... You, you just don't know. Time is the one thing that you, you have once to spend it. And um, I think that people are very worried about that. You know, So you, people spend a lot of time worrying about how much time do I have and I need, I need more time or um, you know, this is a waste of my time. Um, and uh, actually what society has, has sort of, I think, pushed upon people is that it's a waste of your time to be bored mm -hmm. because that means that you're not doing something important. Um, I would like to argue that it's a waste of your time um, to try to not be bored mm. because when you're bored that's when time moves the slowest mm. and um, it's slow and it's sometimes painful to watch how slow that clock is going but if you don't want to waste your time sit in that moment and be bored and realize and just notice the things around you like notice um, the way your food tastes like if you're rushing through a lunch because you're trying to get to some meeting or you have a ton to do um, we overfill our baskets with like all this stuff that we need to get done. Um, and when you have that linear clock ticking away, right. there's often not enough time in the day to, to do all those tasks. Um, and then when you have nothing to do, just, you know, enjoy having nothing to do. Yeah. Be present. Uh, that reminded me of the other day. Um, I was going out for my usual run with Miss Churchill um, it was six in the morning and it had just started raining. Um, so I walked out my dorm and realized, oh, well, she's not here. She's not going to show up. Um, so I waited about 15 minutes and then I went back and tried to get back into my dorm, but it was locked. So at this moment, I was like, this just totally sucks. I really want to go back. I want to do something. You yeah. know, I felt like this was my waste of time. Like this is terrible. So I'm just standing there. Um, and then I totally just decided, you know what, this happened, and like I'm not gonna get back any in, anytime soon. So I'm just gonna take advantage of this moment, and realize and just pay attention. And I think that that's when I actually saw the lightning, and then I counted and waited for the thunder. And so little little things that I used to remember doing when I was a kid, and just um, I remember that I just felt really good being present and realizing. Mm -hmm what was going on around me because I know if I had my phone or if I had something else, I'd be looking down and I wouldn't see the flash of light and I wouldn't see the rain um, pouring down. So I don't know. I just really think that it all happened for a reason. I think that it was important to just be there and time went by slowly, but I think that's yeah. how the course of time should should go for everyone. You know, it shouldn't yeah. feel like 
rushed and you can't remember what you had for breakfast or you know I think that when we forget things it's because we're not truly in the moment and then Sister Gervais finally opened the door for me at seven which was good (laughs) but like an hour later yeah yeah yeah. and and uh you were just talking about being rushed and and you know uh that sort of feeling of time where like you feel like it's escaping you um and uh, so this is something that, one, you can see, like, from Eden's experience that yeah. she just explained, <laughs> that she made something great out of that moment. And then, you know, when I saw you for the rest of the day, you actually just seemed super happy, uh, even yeah. though you got locked, locked out of your door. Locked out in the rain, yeah. But, you, like, being able to make something out of that is sort of all about that wisdom and chaos. And I think that's why living in time is so interesting, you know. Uh, you have this chaos of being locked out of your dorm, and you make something good out of that, and then that actually even... Turning that negative into a positive adds even more positivity into your life. Um, um, yeah, I think that it creates memories, and I feel like I never get that when I'm um, on technology because I realize that even though I have some super bad moments, I'll always remember them, and there'll always be something I can talk about and relate to with everyone I meet. But um, with technology, that's just time that I can't—that isn't my own, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I find that to be really disheartening. Yeah. I mean, technology is a tool, and it's undeniably, like, a really important part of our lives. Um, it has given us the ability to write really easily, and you don't have to delete whole pages when you make a mistake. Um, or, uh, you know, it allows us to connect with people around the world um, and uh, just will continue to help progress. But if uh, if we start using that tool too much, then we uh, weaken the tools that we have inside ourselves. So I think another thing, um, this is just uh, jumping to a different idea that I'm just thinking of now, Uh, but in marketing we use time because everyone is so um, worried about losing their time. Um, People can sort of play to that fear of losing control of like how fast your life is going. So I think that we've actually commercialized time. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, if you look at Black Friday, which just recently came to pass, um, you have all these taglines reading like, get it now before time runs out, or <laughs> limited time deals. Right. The keys that is, they're stressing that yeah. this is going to get away from you. Um, and that, that scares people. It's it's scary to to feel like you know time is moving under control and that your life is just gonna yeah, right. gonna go by or that deal's gonna go by and pass <laughs> you up. Um, but if you really think about it, um, the one that deal's gonna be there next year or something that's also gonna be there. And so when you're um, when you're going to buy that big flat screen TV that's been reduced like by a thousand dollars. Think about, am I buying this because I need the TV? Or am I buying this because of this inner insecurity of, I'm worried about how much time I have left. Right. Um, and so that's something that you can apply to to not only your shopping choices on Black Friday, but, um, you know, why am I taking out my phone right now? Um, you know, when I'm around my friends and, and like, yeah, the conversation's awkward. But I'm, I'm doing this because I'm afraid of, of like losing time and, and this awkward thing that's happening here. I don't want any yeah. part of it, so I'm going to get on my phone here and just, you know. But, like, 
just if we can sit in that awkwardness, sit in the boredom, yeah. like and enjoy that, and you push through it, then you're gonna be making memories, and you know, then it doesn't matter uh, what else you have going yeah. on. Yeah, I just I just remember stuff like that, like when I used to go on my phone and just walk up to my dorm because I was like, well, you know, doing something, texting my mom or something else. But then I realized that I got to my dorm and I was like, whoa, how did I get here? It's like I transported. So Mm -hmm. um, I just totally have started now to realize that and just be like, okay, I'm walking. Whoa, that's really cool. I love that tree. Like I just like I'm seeing things and I'm like, wow, I'm so much happier. I'm not rushed. I can walk slowly. I'm at my dorm now. I know how I got here. I don't know. It's just like it feels like it flows. Um, so definitely on that point, um, mm-hmm. I see a lot of people, um, including, um, I don't know, a lot of my friends and I just when things get awkward or when you're alone, you go on your phone. Right. And it's kind of it's kind of funny now that I think about it because it isn't anyone. It's not any less awkward because you still are alone and you're just like yeah. have a device but um that is something that people always turn to to um just kind of get out of those weird moments yeah. so yeah i thought about that yeah yeah definitely so i have one question for you both which mm-hmm. i think you touched upon it in your beginning uh aiden mm-hmm. which is looking at the biorhythm the natural uh, passage of time mm-hmm. in nature uh, which has been the way people have marked uh, time and made sense of it uh, throughout much of human history. And so given that we've spent a lot of our time outside, um, I talked about this with the group that was looking at seeing the art of the world and just what their experience mm-hmm. was spending so much time in nature. Mm-hmm. And I think this is sort of a flip side of the coin. They weren't so much talking about time, but what was your relationship with time when you were immersed in the natural world for so much of this semester. And I'm curious, did it slow down? Did it speed up? Um, And was there also maybe any sort of intimations of timelessness to where all of a sudden you have an experience where you're so in the moment that time almost stops? Or what was your relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I think that it doesn't slow down. It doesn't speed up, but it feels the way it should be. Hmm. We have an internal clock in all of us, and um, being out in nature uh, and just, uh, I think I I heard them talking about, you know, calming down. Right. Um, but really, like, I'd notice, um, like, a bird just working away, like, pulling out twigs, like, and just, it was so relaxing to just watch him do that, and... Um, usually I'd be sitting there, I'd notice it, I'd be like, oh, that's cool, but I need to go do something. Like, And then I I feel like um, that I, I run out of time really quickly. Right. It, it goes by super fast. But I was just sitting there watch, watching the bird, and, you know, I, I, I felt just relaxed, and I felt that time was just... It was kind of like that timelessness that you were talking about. Um, and then when I when I came back... You know, thinking that I was was there for like like so long, and oh my gosh, I wasted so much time. It's actually twenty minutes early, so then I went like down to the creek and and just watched the water how it was flowing along the rocks. And um, I think this class, with um, the way that we go out into nature and the way that um, we think about centering ourselves, especially in the time that we're living in right now, uh, with uh, technology all around us um, as distractions college apps and worrying about the future. Um, just 
it's helped me realize, you know, yes, high school is very important. And, you know, you should, you should really focus on the stuff that you need to get done and stress that importance. But I see a lot of my friends around me who, some that aren't in this class, um, who sort of walk around all tensed. Um, and you can feel that energy when you come pa- like pass by them. And it's because they have this... They're latched on to high school. This is the most important time of my life. And, like, you know, I can't mess up now because then everything will be ruined. Right. Um, And I feel like that's that's not something that's healthy to yourself, to those around you. um, Because it's something that I'd feel. And I was like, oh, wow. They're really tensed up today. But um, by doing that, you write off the rest of your life, you know. We're, we're seniors in high school, but, you know, we're, like, 17, 18. Uh, some, uh, like, are even just turning 17. And, you know, that's writing off 60, like, 70 years of your life um, for for most people. And that's that's just not how you should look at life. Look at it as this is this moment I'm living now. I'm going to be living a moment tomorrow. And I was living a moment yesterday. And... Um, Life is just a bunch of moments, um, and I think that being out in nature uh, is one of those ways that really helps you uh, center that and do that. Yeah. I know that when I came to this class and you told me to go outside, I was like, oh my god, this is great. Like, <laughs> no one's telling me what to do. Like, I can just, like, think. And I think for for me, having that freedom, I really got to reflect. I feel like I don't get to do that enough. So um, just being able to go outside and kind of get my thoughts in order, calm down my thoughts, calm my whole being down and just be like, okay, this is what I'm doing right now. And um, it was just really nice to be able to um, reflect on everything, um, everything that I've done. And then um, especially the four years, because I know now as a senior, I'm feeling really nostalgic. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, this is so much time that's passed. I've put into everything and yet it's gone by so fast. And um, I really have I taken advantage of every moment. So I've really been thinking about that and thinking about all the memories I've had. Um, and I think that's been really great because it's made this year slow down and it's made this year really present for me. So, And that was one of my goals at the beginning of the year was really take advantage of every moment um, and uh, enjoy it. So I really thought that was amazing and um talking about time being stopped i know for me when i play cello i think it's one of the reasons i've always really loved it is that when i sit down and play um three hours can go by because of course um that's how long rehearsals are uh but when i'm playing i am literally just playing and i'm not thinking about anything else because there is no way for me to think about anything else when i'm already like bowing up bow counting i need to come in now um, cues. Okay. Um, so all of that, uh, I'm just thinking about that in that exact moment. And I never get that with anything else because thoughts just come. I'm so bad at meditation because I always sit there and I'm like, I cannot do this (laughs) so hard. Um, so I think cello is kind of my meditation because I can never think of anything else. I'm always just like reading what's on the page and then playing it. And so, um, I think that's really amazing because time is slow and time is real in that moment right. for me. Yeah. And and yeah, when what you leave with are all the memories that you have, mm-hmm. people that you've touched, 
yeah. um, and the people that have touched you. And uh, none, none of those moments on your phone are going to matter. Right. Um, <laughs> what's funny, yeah. just thinking about uh, meditation stuff, the other day um, I, I woke up and it was open house and I needed to, to get there because I had to give a speech as student body president and like uh, perform for rent because we were reviving it. Mm-hmm. And so I woke up early, like 40 minutes, uh, showered, changed, got into like my nice clothes and then went outside and all the cars were gone. There were no cars. And so I thought in the moment there, like just everything slowed down. I was like, okay, no one's going to get here in time. And just, I started bolting down the street, just running down the street. And then I started calling people as I was running to the open house and, you know, I live a couple miles um, from from the place, and so I'm calling people, like, and I ended up uh, calling one of my cousins who lives on Butterfield, and I was like, hey, can I steal your bike? So I got on his bike, <laughs> biked the rest of the way there, made it um, uh, on on time. Um, and the funny thing is, so that, that was this whole hectic situation, but uh, then I was left just at the end of... Um, at the end of the open house and everyone had left. Um, I, and, and my cousin had picked up his bike. And so then I was just there. I had no way home and I needed to get home. Uh, but no like pressing time mm-hmm. of like needing to get home. So I just started walking down Butterfield um, and just played some music um, as I walked. That's a five mile walk. And yeah, it was a five mile walk, but it didn't feel like it at all. I like, mm-hmm. I, I, what I did is I was just paying attention to, um, uh, to just what was around mm-hmm. me and then slowly just like focusing on my breathing and then like just moving to the music and like as I walked and then slowly I just stopped thinking about anything. And then once I was at that, that center of just not thinking about anything, then I was thinking about everything hmm. um, and I was able to just think about wow I'm so happy where I am right now um, and you know like I, I, I'm so appreciative of all the people around me and so yeah nice. Yeah. yeah nice that's I when I that. find most joy mm-hmm. just like sitting I'm just like filled with joy I'm right. like everything is totally fine everything's good that's great yeah. and sometimes thinking about nothing is, is how you get to thinking about it Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, I think you both captured very well. Time is of the essence. (laughs) So enjoy your time on planet Earth. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you both very much. Thank Thank you. you. All right. So we're going to be moving on to the next theme, which is using butterfly power. And this is a lesson about the power of subtle influence. And the Chinese proverb uh, that everyone's probably heard or most people have heard really captures the essence of what this is about. And the proverb goes something like this, that a butterfly flapping its wings in one part of the world can create a hurricane in another part of the world. And through this theme, we were able to see how both this is literally true uh, with weather, looking at meteorology, Uh, but then seeing how certain kinds of social systems can also be influenced by the power of subtle influence, whether it be the civil rights movement or in Czechoslovakia under communist rule. Some of you might even touch upon it. But what I'm most curious about is what actually did you find most compelling about the ideas within this theme? Well, um, I definitely saw um, 
<clears throat> after learning about the butterfly effect, I saw a lot of examples in my life where it could be useful, especially in the mentality of others. Um, just um, looking at the voting system in uh, America, we see that a lot of people aren't voting. But um, if we all have a general mentality that we can make a difference and that our small vote can make a difference and we all do it, then it can be a large, bigger change. And so um, um, a small, um, one person can have a small p impact on another person. Like a lot of times, uh, for example, on my soccer team last year, we weren't doing that well. Um, if someone had an attitude that we weren't going to play that well, one person had a negative attitude, it affected the whole team. But one person was positive, encouraging the other team members. We played a lot better and as a team, and uh, it was more of a group effort. And so one small impact can have a big, big impact on the other side. Yeah, and I want to add on what Isa just said about voting in America. Having studied in both the U.S. and China, I truly sense the different dynamics about voting in these two countries. In China, we don't really have a lot of voting, and people don't know about their voting rights. And um, when I first came here, I was really surprised that uh, every student around me really cares about voting and emphasizes individuality. And although the dynamics in China and the U.S. are so different, recently there has been an increasing trend about making individual voice to be heard. A good example will be Me Too movement. The internet has become a very important media for expressing voice and telling individual stories. Initially, the Me Too movement started in the United States, but it soon uh, spread to China. It became the first, I would say, internet movement fighting for um, gender equality um, and rights for women. Even though the movement has not been making a lot of political changes, like constitution, laws, um, I firmly believe it raised the attention from the public sphere, and I really hope in the future there will be more social issues uh, being discussed on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, I think adding to the political aspect of this topic, I think we see more and more information or advertisement of uh, global warming on the internet right now, and most of us don't really have an exact idea of how we can solve the problem but like if we look at the cause of the problem it's basically people having their industrial businesses and those pollution just cause the iceberg to melt and those temperature is rising not significantly just by several degrees in like a very long period of time but if we look at that in a bigger scale, um, if the temperature increase at this rate, it's not going to do us any good, mm -hmm. I think, personally, because all of the animal species are going extinct, and those animals are some of the most important in order to keep our dynamic together. So I think even those little, like, 0.1 degree mm -hmm. of raising, right. like, one decade, it's very important to actually see the significant re consequence that it caused to 
different animals and the environment in general. And ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, bouncing off that, um, uh, another mentality um, that's good for the butterfly effect um, to put in action for individual people out there, like thinking just because people aren't doing it, I, I can still do it myself, even if it doesn't have an effect, mm -hmm. but doing something that you love. And s when people see that you have passion for something, they really are attracted to that. Um, um, more off what David said about the environment, um, I found a statistic that um, the Amazon rainforest is practically about only 2% of the world's uh, natural forest, but um, more than 20% of the world's oxygen is produced there. And that's just, that's just a perfect example of the butterfly effect because that oxygen, mm -hmm. it spreads to the other side of the planet and it makes it so we can all breathe. So some people um, seeing that, that statistic may um, uh, stand up, may see that and be inspired. Hopefully they're inspired. Um, a lot of people are chopping down the rainforest right now to get oil and stuff like that. But it's these little small things that we do that will have an impact. And um, statistics like these uh, really in, uh, inspire people and encourage them to step out and do what they believe in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, besides looking from, um, like, analyzing from subtle influence from, like, a bigger and larger standpoint, like, political or environmental mm -hmm. aspect, we can also find it in our daily life and, like, in our own community. So, what is subtle influence in our daily life? Just like Isa just said, it's the impact that we have on other people and the environment in general. And if we are happy and helpful, like, we bring positive energy to the people around and if we are sad and upset we bring negative uh, negativity to our surroundings so in our community we can find like southern influence base basically everywhere so from little things like if i uh like my friend don't like want to go to assembly today maybe <laughs> i won't go as well just like because the sadder influence that she has on right. me and if my friend is keep talking about um like how she's really stressed out about college and like, how she worries about not getting into a good college so because of that like peer pressure i will start to feel like really stressed out as well and also some like big things in our community like uh so when i was in china in when I was in third grade, the Sichuan Wenchuan earthquake happened, and um, because that was like a really big earthquake, and everyone in China, like in every part of China, is worried about like the people in Sichuan. So uh, our teachers and our families, we are all encouraged to donate uh, clothes and like money and just everything you want to donate. And then I remember that some of my classmates were saying oh like if I donate like a pencil or like two pencils it will make a big impact but actually um, if one person start to donate like no matter what they donate or like how much or like how many she or he donates it will make a big impact and it will also uh, touch the people around and kind of motivate 
the people around to like start donating and which will eventually make a big impact to the people in Sichuan and also in our community uh, we have this canned food drive every every single year and um, just like Mr. Khan said during the assembly um, maybe one person uh, just donate one can and thinks that oh it won't make a big impact but actually um, if everyone can donate at least one one can mm -hmm. it can really um, make like a bring a positive influence to the um, community and the people who needs can like the pe homeless and also it can also spread out the positivity to other schools and kind of form this like positively right. competition thing and then uh, motivate other schools to join our um, the, this activity and donate together so that might really bring like a big and positive impact to the community definitely so the one question I have for all of you uh, this is based on the chapter that we had read looking at the the butterfly effect and it seemed that the ways of actualizing our power of subtle influence is by something called living in truth or what another way we might look at it is being authentic. And so what I'm curious is what is your truth or what is your authenticity? What are the things like Issa is saying that you're most passionate about that's generally in alignment with things that um, are most authentic to who we are and if we're able to give ourselves over completely to that authenticity, then we can wind up growing that particular power of subtle influence so then it can ripple out and perhaps have a far bigger impact than we would have ever uh, originally conceived of. So as you guys are getting ready to launch beyond high school, <laughs> hopefully you're thinking about your authenticity and your truth. So what comes to mind for, uh, for each of you? I think for me, it's really about music, which is yeah. something I'm the most passionate about. I mean... I got my inspiration from, of course, Mariah Carey, yeah. and um, because because at the time when I need when I really needed somebody to go through like difficult moments of you know family situation and all that stuff, I don't I didn't really have a lot of resources, so I didn't really have a counselor to talk to. So I turned into her music because. She came from biracial background, and she understood what it's like to be just not fit into a community or a circle that you want to be a part of. Right. So really just listening to those lyrics, and they just helped me to get through those moments because I can't have a sense of belonging that there are people that are the same as me, you know, like... Also, when I write my own things, I want to have the expression that you are not going through this alone. Like, even if those, the words that I write could change some, change like one people's mentality right. of like what they think of their state of life right now, I think that it's, it's something that I really appreciate that I could do. Yeah. Uh, so for me, um, being authentic means... Uh, fighting for the cause you believe is true. Yeah. Um, like back in history, if the black people didn't believe they have equal rights as the their like owner, mm -hmm. um, they would not fight for the equality and their rights. And 
it's also true in the modern society. Like, there's is not um, like perfect and absolute equal rights for between genders right now. So, uh, I personally believe uh, girls should be treated as same as boys. So, um, I for myself, I started to uh, read some articles about equal rights and I um, started to learn about some um, female writers in history and it will help me to understand the whole situation and how I can in the future to put some action into this issue. Um, so I believe every changes like impacts we want to bring out start from a simple step which is believing what you think is true. Yeah. Um, for me, to be authentic is to live in the present. So, mm. like, for many times, I'm, I'm, like, feeling really regret about what decision I made in the past or what I will do in the future, like, college or, like, uh, like I'll, I'll keep thinking about, like, oh, after maybe two years, like, what kind of situation will I be, what kind of, like, environment like friends, like circle and family or like all this stuff. But then I realized it's kind of like a waste of time thinking too much about the past and the future. So if you um, really just live in the present and do just do every step you have to do and then try your best, always try your best, like don't push yourself too hard, just try your best and like, um, and then accomplish like every steps and then every task you have to be and then I think you will like eventually get there like meet your goals and like be like the the self like you want to be yeah. um, for me um, being authentic really um, living a lifestyle of looking for things that are um, fulfilling like helping helping other people my grandmother always uh, tries to encourage me to um, help other people because <clears throat> it's fulfilling, like I just said. But um, a lot of times these things, um, I can be lazy or I don't want to do it, but <clears throat> pushing myself to it and knowing that um, it's the right thing to do and um, like um, helping homeless people and uh, giving them... Uh, money or food or socks or and clothes just like seeing their reactions and the smiles on their face is just like even if i give to like three people or like one person i see on the street it's like the greatest feeling um and um that's what i really like to be about and that's the lifestyle i'm trying to live that's great so I think just a way of capturing what you're all saying is by being authentic, we are exercising the power of subtle influence. And I think you all exemplify that that very well. So thank you very much for your thoughts and your wisdom. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The next thing we're going to be talking about is going with the flow. Uh, and what this chapter or theme was really implying was that uh, going with the flow implies not resisting. Uh, which makes a certain amount of intuitive sense, uh, but working with rather than against. And it's about being in alignment with greater dynamics of the moment and time. So what was it about this particular theme that, that resonated, that you guys learned something from? So going with the flow is like a saying many people have been told throughout their lives. 
However, it's harder to apply to your life than it sounds, but we can see it and self-organization, which is a key aspect of it, within many big groups of people and animals in the world around us. We can see it in birds who have learned to fly and organize manners to their air resistance, to fish that swim in large groups right. to protect themselves. But it's also um, in our economy. Um, from the constant flow to the stock of the stock market, people buying and selling, but working together to subconsciously sustain the economy, where money constantly goes in and out, but rarely fails because the majority of people don't want the stock market to fail. They want to push its forward and improve the economy. Even the biggest stockholders of the world, such as Jeff Bezos, could single-handedly cause a disaster, but won't because that doesn't benefit them or anyone else. We can also see collective self-organization in our food systems and communities around us. So if a community has a true need for a store, it's an opportunity someone can take which will help themselves and the community. But also, if there's a store that isn't needed, it will fail because no one goes there. When there is an opportunity for improvement in the community, someone can take it and improve the community. But if there isn't, then we're all working together to sustain the community we live in. Absolutely. Yeah, and another aspect of all of our lives that we can relate this to is in music. Um, and I can definitely say for myself, music is very special to me, and so that's why I've taken a special interest in how I can relate it to self-organization. Um, in relation to music, self-organization, it has a huge impact on the actual quality of the music, the creativity behind the music, the originality of it, and just the overall quality, even though we might not think it does. Um, and in the process of creating the music itself, there's so many possibilities when one starts. And um, sometimes the creators get caught up in the process of what they should do to make a hit or what they, what they should do to fit in and be popular. And in that process, the creativity and musical genius can sometimes be lost. Um, and additionally, a very pleasing and popular song that we hear on the radio is usually a product of strong self-organization and not having one person lead the charge of the ideas behind the song, but instead accepting collaborations and ideas from everyone and just working together to create something. Right. Yeah, and of course we all just can think of music and how great music generally flows, right? All right. So, so yeah, that yeah, makes definitely. sense. Yeah, well, I want, I want to go back to what you said. You talked about uh, going with the flow and how it's about... Uh, you know, not resisting in a certain alignment. And for me, going with the flow is just accepting that you, you have no control over um, what happens in your life. Life is all about reacting to events. It's not uh, starting, well, it is starting events, but it's mostly how you react to those events. And for me, um, moving here from Utah, I really struggled with that. And I never, I really kind of had a, a negative a negative reaction to uh, moving out here, being on my own, and then um, I kind of, I kind of just realized uh, the energy you put uh, out to the world is the energy you're going to get back. So when I decided um, to go, you know, kind of go with the flow, uh, let life take take me where it takes me, and have this positive attitude, uh, it totally changed my life around, changed uh, 
how I was interacting with people and, and so on. Absolutely. So, so one of the questions I have, which you guys are in a perfect position to provide some insight uh, to, say, juniors, sophomores, freshmen, people that aren't seniors yet, you guys are going through a pretty high-stakes moment, the college process, especially at a college prep school like San Domenico. And what kind of advice would you give to, say, the junior class that will be seniors next year when they're going through this process where they want to control, they want certain outcomes, but as you're mentioning, um, there's only so much one can do to influence those outcomes. So how would you recommend that as the junior class becomes seniors that they learn to appreciate the path? Like the path right. is the goal and, in, and create a more of a sense of flow and enjoy their senior year rather than just being fixated on the outcomes. What, what, right. so, what have you guys so, learned? Well, like you said, it's all about enjoying your senior year. And I think um, as a whole, the senior, the senior class... Um, we started this big group message at the beginning of the year, and we kind of all talked about how, as a class, uh, we you know we need to get closer, we need to bond better, and you know you make this year one to remember because, um, you know, a couple months uh, it seems far away, but it's so close. Already getting in second semester, you know, we not we we're probably not going to see more than half of these people for the rest of our lives, and so um, I think as a whole, it's. For me, it was um, obviously grades is important. Staying on top of school is is important, but um, not stressing over that, not realizing that that's what makes you who you are. Uh, what makes you who you are is uh, the type of person you are to other people. And um, I think for me, any advice I'd give to an underclassman was uh, just get closer, get closer with your friends, and really enjoy uh, the last moments you have with them because. Um, you know, years down the road, you're not going to remember the grade you got on your chapter two test. You're going to remember uh, who your, you know, who your real friends are. Right. For me, that's the most important thing. Definitely. Another really important thing when you're looking at your friends and the people around you is when you're looking at colleges, look at a college that allows you to do what you want to do with your life and not go somewhere because your parents went there or your parents want you to go there or yeah. your friends are going there or because you've heard it's a good school. Go somewhere where you can pursue where you want to be because these people will always be around in the world and you can always come back to them. Yeah. But you need to be able to follow what you want to do first to get, get farther in your life. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, it's a, there's definitely, as you said, a good balance that one needs to strike in senior year between what Cash and Braden said, between really squeezing out the last moments with your friends and focusing on your future and where you're going after this year. But overall, I would just say, it sounds cheesy, but it's really true, is just enjoy the, de the journey, not the destination. Or wait, what's the saying? That's best. It's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah, for sure. Because it's really true. Like, if you wake up every morning and you feel in your mind that there's a destination to every day, right. you're not going to enjoy things as much as you would if you just live in the moment and really appreciate things as they come at you. So, Indeed. Yeah. So... What is an activity for each of you that really gets you into the flow? That when you do it, you just find that sense of flow, maybe lose the sense of, of time. It goes by uh, pretty quickly, or maybe that duration extends far beyond because you're so in the moment. What, what comes to mind for you guys? Uh, for me, it's, it's definitely uh, basketball. And just because um, 
it's kind of how I connect with my family when they're not with me because uh, everyone in my family loves basketball and uh, throughout my whole life it's through basketball I've been able to really bond with everyone in my family especially my brothers you know I got to play with my older brother in high school a little before I came here and um, just just through that those two years um, you know I just I saw a whole other side of them grew so much closer to them and it's it's really basketball that kind of that really grounds me um, keeps you know keeps my head straight and my mind clear for me um, I would say the main thing is definitely music for me whether I'm listening to it or mixing it or producing it making beats whatever um, I just I've always loved music so much and when I really like the times in my life where I really feel like I'm in the zone in somewhere another music is involved I feel like yeah. whether I'm at a concert or just something so definitely music and then something on the side that I love to do is also surfing always starting my day with a, a morning surf session is just always a good way to start my day I always feel good after that it clears my brain if I'm feeling bad before it it just melts that feeling away and is replaced by a feeling of just bliss and excitement. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to agree with Wes on waking up in the morning and going surfing, yeah. even in these really cold winters in Northern <laughs> California. Right. There's just some, you have to be in the moment and focused on what you're doing then. And that's why another thing I enjoy doing is photography, but mm. with film instead of digital. Yeah. Because you're not working on a computer and focusing on your time, what you're doing. Mm. You're focusing on the task that's at hand, whether you're developing film or making negatives or whatever you're doing. You have to be focused on that and the time in that, not what's going on around you, right. which is what I think all of these have in common, just focusing right. on what you're doing right then. And, and another big one for me that... Um, especially after the whole unit on, you know, seeing seeing the art around you, um, it kind of made me realize um, how bad uh, technology has been um, for me as far as just extraction right. and, you know, the thoughts it's putting in my head. So, uh, you know, like past month, I've, I've really gotten into reading. And um, it started out, you know, I was kind of like, kind of didn't want to do it because I was like, you know, like, like you tell someone, yeah, I like to read, you know, they kind of laugh, but, <laughs> but I, I, I started reading a lot, and it's like, the more as time goes on, I just yeah. start realizing the more I'm starting to do it, and the more I'm starting to do it, the better, and like, I guess more, more freeing I feel, and um, it's kind of just something where, especially if you have a good book, it's like your whole mind goes into that story and it kind of takes you away from your real life and you feel like you're actually in the story. So for me, reading has also been a really, really big thing of getting my mind off of things. That's great. Yeah, and talking about technology, another thing like I would tell myself, if I could tell myself now, if, like in sophomore, junior year, is that like your social media presence and all that isn't actually that important. And like that sounds like something like your parents would say. Yeah, right. But then like as you get older you realize it really doesn't matter at all. It's like what you enjoy doing, not right. connecting to more people that you don't actually care about or don't care about you. For sure. Yeah, that's good wisdom. So it seems like what you guys there's a common thread is find your flow. Right. Right. Because it makes life so much more worth living. And I think you guys really captured that. 
in a very clear, thoughtful, creative way. So, so thank you guys very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Mr. Allen. All right, this group, we're going to be uh, talking about fractals. Now, this is the second group to do it. However, you're all taking a unique approach. Uh, before we get into that approach, just a reminder of what fractals are. They're kind of these never-ending patterns. They're infinitely complex on all scales, so from the macrocosmos down to the microcosmos. Uh, and I know, Gareth, you're going to be talking about that sense of scale. Uh, there's also going to be looking at, Katie, I believe you're going to be talking about the fractal nature of time. Mm-hmm. And Kyle, you're going to be looking at the power of subtle influence yeah. on a fractal dimension. So I think those are all really unique, and it'll be interesting to see how they all uh, connect. So who wants to begin? And I guess, why are, was the fractal so fascinating? Well, I mean, the fractal grabbed my attention because at first, before I like gave time to think about it, it seemed kind of like a paradox right. because you can contain a fractal within a finite amount of space, but it, it has an infinite repetition, which would mean an infinite amount of distance or area. But then I realized it can also just expand up until it reaches that the same way you can infinitely divide by halves and never truly reach... Um, reach like where you're gonna like the end point right but after I realized that I, I still found interest in them because when you look at them with scale you can apply how they work and like their lessons I guess mm-hmm. to like the natural world as well as like everyday life and the like society and like the human world right um, anyone else? Why was it important to you guys? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I initially wanted to do um, subtle, influ- subtle effect of influence, but then as I researched more into my topic of the butterfly flower, I realized that the choices that we made uh, is kind of similar to the fractals of life as the small <clears throat> even though there are small choices that we make every day when we look at the big pu- look at the big f- picture and how we have changed throughout the years we can see that how each and every of those choices are a reflection of who we will be in the future and that's really interesting to me right yeah uh yeah i also found fractals really interesting because uh something that i really liked was the coastline paradox which is that like you can't really measure any the coastline of any country because you can look at it from like from space and then measure it from there and it'll be a certain distance but then the more you zoom in the longer the distance becomes until it's almost infinite so uh i thought that was really interesting how like anything can have that amount of depth no matter how big or small it is you just have to like, zoom into it a little more. Right. Yeah, so it's interesting to get a sense of what, what hooked you. Yeah. And then I think more specifically, you have a little bit more to say, right? In yeah. terms yeah. of how you want to unpack that further. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah. feel free. Uh, I mean, fractals are like, they teach us that we can look closer at details in life because uh, usually upon closer like inspection or examination, many things are not as like they're different than what we perceive usually 
and with closer inspection we can um like reveal hidden like beauties and wonders that we wouldn't have originally seen or like noticed in the first place um because this can be done on a macro scale as well as on a micro scale uh like katie was saying if you look at like a border or a coastline you'll be able to see the whole coast but without any of the details and then the closer you go you see the plants the animals and everything that makes their home in the coastal region and even in places with lower like human activity you'll be able to see the ecosystem functioning which is something you wouldn't be able to see if you were like flying over in a plane because then you'd be able to see the whole thing but you wouldn't be able to see the like the functions that were happening beneath you and the same can be said for the micro level because if you're looking at a person you're not going to see like their individual cells but if you take um, like a tissue sample off that person and put it under a microscope you'll see cells you'll see things that you're looking for things that can like lead to new discoveries you can examine um, bacteria viruses uh, the way human cells work versus plant cells like you can there's scale is a very important part of our lives but then you also can't um, just focus on the details because if you're just focusing on the details you lose sight of the bigger picture right. and without the bigger picture the details don't really mean anything so um, if you're looking at like on the macro scale if you're looking at that same coastline and you're just looking at like one bird within that region well yes that might be valuable you're going to miss out on how it impacts the rest of its like surroundings and the rest of the ecosystem and then if you're looking at a tissue sample but you don't know where it came from or what you're supposed to be looking at or looking for it, it, it also loses a little bit of its value because you don't really know what needs to be done with it so it was I just thought the fractals um, they're a good reminder to look at both the minute details as well as the bigger picture and that really struck home for me Totally well said. Thank you. Right, so how do we <clears throat> how do we balance between the two approaches? Like how do we know that when we are looking too close into the details and we got mm -hmm. lost in them? I mean, have you had any any experience <laughs> in regards to your revelation? Ah, <laughs> uh, good question. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I've had it more of the looking at the bigger picture without really looking at details rather than vice versa. But I'm assuming that if it goes one way, it can also go the other way. Yeah. So um, I, w I used to like look at, I used to think that like mountains were like the coolest thing in the world to look at from afar. And then when I was like, I was like really small. Oh, yeah. Like I was like, like this was not like a few weeks ago. I was like just enamored by mountains. Yeah, I was smaller, but um, I, I would go. I then one time my parents took me up and like skiing and it was like a whole new world. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, whoa, I would never have thought that like things actually lived up here because there were like deer running through the place there was like just different that like you wouldn't when you're that size it's like oh yeah it's it's a learn everything's a learning experience so mm. yeah it makes sense yeah. yeah uh going off of what gareth was saying earlier uh i think that fractals are a really big part of our lives in a way that we might not realize which is time 
Uh, I don't think we experience time as a flat plane. We kind of perceive it as a fractal that gets deeper the more you zoom in. Like, for example, have you guys ever been in class and the same class period that you were just in two days ago seems like ten times longer than it did then? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, same. Uh, because I think that this type of experience shows how humans are naturally connected to a, a deeper interpretation of time than what is shown by, like, clocks and the measure, the way we measure time with each minute, second, hour, etc. Um, but unfortunately, I think society has a, almost an obsession with time, and people are expected to just jam-pack as many activities as they possibly can into the 24 hours that they have every day. And this, like, they don't really give each activity the amount of time that it really needs. Like, sometimes they rush through things, and sometimes they just drag things along when they have a little extra time, even if they don't need to. Uh, but I think the expression time is money really shows this, like, how time has become almost a commodity, and it's not something that we really appreciate and value and, like, see the depth in it anymore. Um, so I think that this is this realization can help us kind of connect with the, a deeper understanding of time that the rest of the universe runs on because we can if we like sometimes if we just go outside for a walk in nature for example and just leave our watches and our phones behind then we can experience uh, what is around us and not worry about like that deadline that we have in two days and <laughs> we can just see we can just kind of appreciate the time that we have and uh, yeah, connect with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Procrastinating with nature. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, real. Procrastinating with nature. Procrastinating, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a title of a book right there. Yeah. yeah. Or at least a YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, combining both of what both of you all have said about fractals. Um, I want to look at fractals in a completely different way. Um, I think that it is interesting that one big thing can be similar to the countless small things that made up and vice versa. Um, if one only one small pattern changes, the whole sequence as a whole will be changed in a totally unexpected way. Uh, like considering uh, think about how many options we are faced with every day. Uh, there are countless scenarios that can happen, and from those countless scenarios, there are so many possibilities and so many different universes that can be formed just based on our uh, small choices that we have to make every day. Uh, just like the old saying go, if a butterfly flaps its wings in Brazil, it can cause a monsoon in Japan. Or Thailand. I don't think there's monsoon <laughs> in Japan. Because Japan is, is pretty high up. Um, so it really <clears throat> struck me that the small fractal of the choices that we make can be zoomed out, and we can see the whole fractal that made up this universe. I would say. Um, recently, I watched a movie called Mr. Nobody. Uh, it was a pretty good movie, and it talks about the butterfly effects. 
in that movie, the protagonist Nemo, he has to choose um, three major life choices in his life: one when he was nine years old, one when he was an adolescent, and one when he was a young adult. So in that movie, basically the premise is that each of our, <clears throat> I guess every our individual choice, no matter how small or how big they are, they can lead us down different paths that can help us realize a different aspect or a different side of us that we will never get to explore just because we chose to drink Starbucks instead of uh, Pete's coffee. I guess <laughs> so. <clears throat> So it really makes us wondering, like, how are there different versions of us out there in the universe? Uh, the concept of the multiverse, where in each universe there is a different identity. We have a different identity in each universe uh, around us. So how can we look and choose the right choice that can lead us to? Who we who we truly are, as we have tried so hard to like like all of those self help books that like uh, give us advice on how do we become our best self, how do we find <laughs> our inner self and find our soul. But I guess in general, who we are is basically we 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 are who we are just through our choices and through the environments that shapes our choices and. I guess we <clears throat> we are just a combination of all the little choices that we make every day, and if, if we get to zoom, like, if maybe in the future we get to zoom out and we get to see all the different futures that we can have, maybe we don't actually want to be the whole thing because the whole thing can be too complex mm -hmm. and too complicated. So maybe we are more satisfied as we are as a small part of ourselves as and our potential. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's great. <clears throat> it's interesting to see how uh, fractal can be connected to scale, to time, and to the power of subtle influence. And so, you all alluded to this in some capacity by the very nature of what drew you in to this particular theme, in general. And I'm just wondering, maybe you can, as a way of kind of capping this conversation, what are ways within a sense of scale, within a sense of fractal time and subtle influence, like why should people pay attention to it? You alluded as to why it might be of value, but how can it really enrich our lives if you're paying attention to scale, the fractal nature of time, power of subtle influence? Again, you alluded to it, mm -hmm. but, but what might be a way of summarizing or perhaps in a more pithy way, like uh, <laughs> procrastinating with nature? <laughs> like that, that's a good way. Why yeah. is procrastinating in nature around scale or time or subtle influence valuable? Why should people do it? How might that enrich your life? Well, I guess we all want to predict the future, yeah. but maybe the future is present in the present choices mm. or the present moments that we are living right mm. then. So if we pay attention to the small things that we do every day and the small, I guess, small periods when we are in nature, when we don't have to follow, follow the uh, mechanical time, as Katie had said, mm -hmm. uh, we, can, we can find the future that maybe you can find the future that we want to be mm. and the person that we want to become because we who we are in that moment is who we are as a whole right yeah oh that's great yeah uh yeah kind of 
like some kind of like what I said earlier, um, there's value in not not being obsessed with time and like mm. taking those procrastinating in nature walks. Some every once in a while, not all the time. Not like just throwing out all your clocks and just going with whatever happens, <laughs> but like just taking some time to just enjoy being in the present like mm. you can it can just be having dinner with your family and just enjoying spending time with them rather than rushing through it to get back to work like it's just little things mm. that we can do to kind of enrich our experience in life overall right um I'm going to say looking at scale is important because, especially in today's society, it's very easy to lose sight of the big picture. Right. Um, we all get so caught up in the details because uh, the details are what's happening in the here and now. Um, like assignments, for, for a high school student anyway, uh, assignments, uh, like friendships, relationships, um, and then, like, jobs, just, like, making sure that your work is done properly on time to the best of your ability. And that's that's great. There's no denying the value in that. But you also have to remember why you're doing it. Right. And that's the big picture. And if you lose sight of why, the details, like I said, they lose their value, their meaning. And so I think it's just important to look at the big picture and the goals every once in a while just take a step back so yeah excellent I think that's a perfect way to to kind of end the conversation that if they're like the big picture can allow us to at least question what is the meaning of all this of my life of life in general what am I doing what direction am I going and so hence fractals when it looks at scale looking at the nature of time the power of our own subtle influence are all things that, if taken together, can allow us to perhaps get a sense of what is the meaning of all this. And if we can locate that, mm -hmm. then it sort of suffuses our life with a lot more richness and texture in the present and beyond. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Thank you all very much. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. Welcome. So this is uh, really a second group that's going to be addressing uh, the this power of subtle influence, which is the subset of the butterfly effect. Uh, and you're actually going to be talking about uh, this element that the other group really didn't get to, which was one of the ways that we really exercise our power of subtle influence is by living in truth, uh, as the chapter talked about, or being authentic. So I'm curious, as you're going to be emphasizing uh, that sort of authenticity, living in truth, what, what resonates, what does that really mean to each and every one of you? Uh, for me, living in truth is honestly about embracing and enduring and just really getting to know your authentic self and going day by day and embracing the situations that come to you and honestly not letting others affect your truth, sticking with what you believe in, and yeah, just being authentic and knowing you have the power to be you. Right. I think for me it's kind of making the best of every moment. We all have a lot of things that we kind of have to do. We all have to go to school. Some of us have jobs. We all have a lot of responsibilities. But I think making the best of whatever we are doing and just trying to stay in the moment while we're doing that makes it a lot better. Mm -hmm. I, I really agree with what Claire said and how... 
um, a lot of times I feel like people really look towards like the end goal in their life, but it, rather than that, it's really looking at whatever opportunity is given to you, really taking advantage of it, and maybe like allowing yourself to just take whatever path is put forth. Yeah, and that really ties into what I sort of took from the um, book, which was living in the moment, um, being authentic to yourself, but also staying present and staying aware of your surroundings and um, like Emily was saying, um, not focusing on the future or not focusing on the past, focusing on what's happening right now and the opportunities that life throws at you as it goes um, and not focusing too much on um, potential situations in the future. Yeah, and I think we should just uh, do whatever we want to do and uh, don't think that it's a waste of time. Yeah. Right. I think definitely your perspective on whatever you're doing can really just change your whole outlook. An example that I really liked from a book was the example of like the coastline, measuring the coastline. I think for us, like the California coastline, if you tried to measure it on a world map, you'd get like a certain length. If you tried to measure it on a map of the United States, you'd get a different length. And then if you actually walked the California coastline and measured it that way, you'd get a completely different value again. And none of those are necessarily wrong, but it just depends mm. on how you measure it. And similarly, how you look at a situation can completely change your outlook on it. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest part for a lot of people is being able to take that extra step back when something does come into your life that maybe you weren't expecting, or it could be like good or bad, and really taking a moment to think, okay, well, what do I do now? Because I think a lot of people don't usually take that time to really process their own thoughts because a lot of times at least in my life people usually give their opinions first and then I think oh well geez now I don't have any idea what I actually want Mm -hmm. so I think it's especially important for us in this time in our lives to really think what do I truly want to do like recognizing your core values not what other people want you to have as your values and like who you want to be And then I think the question comes up of what stops us from being our authentic selves and, like, living Mm -hmm. in our truths. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's really hard right now because a lot of us are being told what we should be doing. I think especially with, like, school and applying to colleges and stuff like that, I feel like there's a very rigid outline of how we're supposed to be living our lives right now. But we're all figuring out what we want at the same time, and that might not necessarily be going to a four-year university and getting a job, like, immediately after that. Our parents play a big role in that too, like shaping who we are, shape, shaping, um, you know, what we want to do. A lot of people's parents, you know, it put a, this huge influence on um, what school they go to, what um, job they get, and a lot of the time, it's not really what the person wants. And it's important to like take a moment to focus. Well, what do I really want? Like, is this what my parents want for me, or is this what I want to do? Going off of that, um, like my. In my personal experience, um, my parents forced me to go to this school, and (laughs) (laughs) we can all relate. Yeah, (laughs) but uh, basically, throughout the years, like at first, I was like really reluctant. Like every day, I'd be like, "Oh, I hate it here. Like nothing is ever gonna get better. Like I, every day is gonna get worse." Like I kept telling them how horrible it is, and like I still do it sometimes. Like to be honest, but I also like realized that if I keep having that same attitude, nothing ever is going to come from it. So I've taken, you know, I've learned to take 
this opportunity to grow myself and take like those bad situations and like my bad thoughts and like emotions and just grow as myself and figure out okay well now I know that this type of place and like thing isn't for me I think those bad times are when you complain or like school just sucks right now I don't want to be here like I feel in life you're gonna encounter people whether it's bosses friends teachers in college you're not always gonna get along with someone you're not always gonna like them but it's embracing those situations where they might seem negative or you don't want to be in that situation or be in that relationship with someone. How do we use that to make us grow and find ourselves mm-hmm. with hard times? Because I think without those times, you're not going to grow as a person. If everything was good in life, you're not going to find your real self. Yeah. I think also in figuring out what you don't like and why you figure out what you do like with the idea of yin and yang you know, there has to be both sides. And so I think with figuring out what you don't like or what you're not good at, that's almost like success in itself. Mm-hmm. Well, going off of what Jamie was just talking about, um, about like taking the negative and focusing on what you like, um, I sort of, um, I kind of connected it to um, the school thing that I was talking about before, um, about with your parents, and especially in this time, like going into college, um, I was saying it, it's important to focus on what you want and what, um, not what necessarily what other people want for you. And, but also I think it's really important to focus, like maybe you don't get into your top choice college, but, um, it, anywhere you go, no matter what, it's all about the experience that you make of it. And it's about finding the parts of it that you like and finding the parts of it that make you authentic to yourself and where you can take maybe um, like you're not, not the best situation um, and form it into something that is a little bit more positive for you. Yeah, I think as a student, we're always asked to do everything we, we're supposed to, such as like homework and a lot of like getting to good college. And we, we are like asked to do those things very efficiently and keep ignoring uh, a lot of small things that make our life actually uh, better and suggest like daydreaming. For me, I liked um, daydreaming like for a while actually when I encountered difficulties because that really brings a lot of benefits to my real life such as it can actually increase my efficiency afterwards and it is also a good stress reliever and also it allows me to mentally rehearse steps such as like flying for an upcoming trip or make make me better prepared to handle events when they happened. And also they promote a lot of creativity and generate new ideas. Like uh, noted that dreamings include like Albert Einstein. He believes that his theory of relativity mm-hmm. was born as he was daydreaming to, uh, about running to the edge of the universe. Mm-hmm. And that's just like very small um, um, subtle moments of his life but they actually brings a lot of influence to him and yeah and for me it really helps me to keep my life going on when I uh, mm-hmm. such as for example when I lost a friend uh, once and I just imagined that I, I was still be with her and that really made me feel better and yeah yeah it's interesting to like take that perspective mm-hmm. on daydreaming because I feel like People consider daydreaming as um, sort of an escape from reality um, and not being present, but 
that perspective on it, it shows that like really it is a lot about being present because it accesses like um, your thoughts and your emotions and like what you want right now. Um, it's sort of like that like unconscious desires. I mean, linking it to psychology class, I guess we just talked about that, but um, it's sort of like this. Um, like Melody was just talking about, like um, you can do things that maybe um, you wouldn't be able to do like right now um, in like real life, I guess. So it's interesting because I've always sort of thought of it as this like, um, like detachment from the present, but really it's a lot about being in the present, which is interesting. I like that because it's not pre-planned. I know we talked mm -hmm. about that, but it's very in the spur of the moment. You can't really force yourself to like go in that element and zone and be yeah. in that moment when you said you thought of your friend. Like I'm sure it's not like you force upon it. She probably comes in your head and you're like, wow, I miss her. And then you zone in on that. So yeah. I think that's cool that you embrace that when it happens. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. I know I suppress that a lot. I don't want to feel like that loss in someone or something. And I think it's cool that you do that. Yeah. It's interesting that we're discouraged from doing things like that, like daydreaming. I feel like that kind of inhibits us from almost living our truths. Are there any other things that you guys feel might be getting in the way of being your authentic selves right now? Well, I think another aspect of it, like, there is the pressure from parents in school, but it's also in our social lives and with friends. I mean, you like, even if it's, like, clothes, like... Maybe there's like a certain outfit that you feel like, oh my god, like you thinking about it and you're like, oh, I know I look good in it, but you're also like worried what other people will think mm -hmm. type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like it can be tiny things like that, but even an outfit can bring out yourself. And mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, it's an amazing way to express yourself. That's like a lot of weird turtleneck. <laughs> I'm wearing right now. <laughs> well, that's a big like argument against um, having um, uniforms in schools. Is that um, outfits sort of like let you express yourself and express your creativity? But also, it's interesting to think about like then you get the whole worrying. Oh, what will people think of me? Does this actually look good right. on me? Like I think these jeans look great, but does this person think they look good? So. Yeah. You know, the question that comes up for me, because uh, I think you're all doing a wonderful job expressing what it means to be authentic and to sort of live from one's truth. You've clearly all spent a lot of time reflecting, I think, acting upon that. Yet for people that haven't quite got there, there's elements of vulnerability that are required and courage to yeah. do it. Because as you're all kind of alluding to, by living your truth, it doesn't mean it's going to be microwavable in terms of everyone's going to applaud you. I'm like, great job. I mean, in fact, yeah. there might be a bit of a rebellious streak or people might question, like, why are you doing this? Your parents, your teachers, society at large. Maybe your truth is totally in alignment mm -hmm. with the way things are, but it might not be. So what would you say to people that are kind of grappling with, I want to be my true self, but I'm really scared because I don't want to be shunned or ostracized, even if that seems extreme, but those are all natural things we probably go through as we're trying to figure out how to be who we are, and yet we also want to fit in. So what recommendations would you provide to people that are kind of grappling with these, these issues? Well, um, I'm definitely thinking about, um, I think the best way to go about it, especially if it's like difficult, is baby steps. Um, 
I mean, just doing a little thing here and there, um, like even just like a, like a little sort of burst of yourself um, each day. And um, that even like links back to the idea of subtle influence and like even like little bursts of your true self can drastically change your view on life and your like your day and your week and everything. Um, so even just like little things like baby steps um, can help you get to like this like bigger goal of like becoming, I guess, your true self. <laughs> I kind of think of it as like the opposite and <laughs> I'm kind of like, go just do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it, it. I mean, takes, that definitely works too. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts, but the second that you like embrace yourself and you show others yourself, it is like, it's the best feeling because yeah. even if you're like, I'm going back to the outfits, but <laughs> if you're wearing something and you like look in the mirror and you're like, "Woo, I look good today or like anything like that. And you're like, this is me. Like, I love this. Anyone that says anything negative doesn't mean anything because it's yourself. And anyone that says anything negative, you just have to like take it and be like, well, okay, they don't get me. It's fine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just like go for it and be brave. And as soon as people see the real self, yeah. like you may not know, like maybe more people will be like, oh my God, like I love this you type of thing. Or like you may even like meet new people like you. Mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And some people might hear that and be like, it's not as easy as it sounds probably. Yeah. And like for me, that's totally a huge thing. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to get to know my deeper self. I didn't want to. And I think embracing the negative things that happen to you and not getting stuck in a place where, like you said, people are grappling with how to find their true self and accept right. them and like not, and be brave and not let other people get to them. But I think that seeing those hard times and really going through it and being like, wow, I feel really shitty. Sorry for my language <laughs> podcast. So. But We're feeling being real. that, but being not authentic. Yes. <laughs> but not getting stuck in that dark place. How to yeah. pull yourself out, utilizing resources. If it's friends, therapists, funny right. videos, anything you need, using that. And like you said, once you find yourself, honestly, it's awesome. It's probably the best thing that has ever happened to me, getting to know myself, what I want in life. And just forming deeper connections with people, yeah. I think. That's yeah. awesome. Just awesome. Yeah. And a big lesson on that, I just want to mention really quickly, um, is that, like, if somebody doesn't like you for that, that's on them. That's right. not anything that you need to change. You don't need to change for other people. If they don't like the way you are as yourself, then, like I said, that's on them. That's not on you. I'm still working on it personally. <laughs> I think we all need to figure out is. who we are right. and like what we want before we like show it to everybody else. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you know, every day like you do things mm -hmm. and either you decide you like that or you don't and then just go from there, you know. And yeah, there shouldn't totally. be a rush. You can it right. can take 10 years, 10 days till you find or just, you think you find <laughs> or discover days. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah, force totally. it. Let it come to you. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so there I was think, a... like, in the future, when we are, like, making decisions, we should not think of others. We should not think of our parents or teachers. We just think of, of ourselves. And all, uh, we should all have a free mindset and, like, set aside all the 
evaluations from outside world, and mm-hmm. that would be our truth self. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this has been a very strong dose of authenticity. Uh, you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? Um, this was wonderful. Thank you all very much. Thank Appreciate you. Thank it. you. Thanks, Sister Al. Welcome. Uh, we are going to be uh, doing, I guess, part two of uh, Finding Flow, as this is another section, and you guys all found this theme equally compelling as the other section did. Uh, However, I imagine there'll be nuance because you're all unique, have your own particular perspective and take. Uh, So I'm curious, what specifically was it about this theme of going with the flow that you found so resonant? All right. Um, So when I learned about the meaning of going with the flow, I thought about how I could apply this theme that we had learned into my everyday life. I feel like throughout life, we are constantly wanting to be in control and we never really accept the things that we can't control. When we aren't in control of a certain scenario, we may not know how to handle or react to something and make the wrong decision that can have repercussions. Going with the flow teaches us to go where life takes us and not to worry or react negatively when the things don't go our way. An example I thought of in my personal life was a basketball game. So in a game, The outcome of the game is often unpredictable when the teams that faced off are even. So going with the flow can teach us that during a game, you have to live more in the moment. And that means not thinking a play behind, but being in the present. And in doing that, it can teach you to be more actively engaged in the game and play better as a result. I think going with the flow can teach us to live in the moment more. Absolutely. Um, I believe that the concept of going with the flow is easy for anyone to say, but is difficult for anyone to master. Um, We as human beings are always trying to change or predict and understand the future. Um, But nature and its underlying purpose of chaos can show us that there are hidden patterns to life. Um, If one were to actually go with the flow, and let the surrounding elements of nature guide them. Um, I believe that we could better appreciate life without searching for the future as a guide. Um, And an example of going with the flow in my own life um, would be surfing. Um, When you're out there on the water, one needs to have patience waiting for the waves and then a knowledge of um, the waves they're catching to actually paddle in and stand up on them. Um, and then I believe that this goes along with the saying, it's not the destination, but the traveling that's most meaningful. Right. Um, when you're on that wave, um, I believe that's like the true essence of it, not afterward when you're off and paddling back out. Um, and this is, also, this is something that we can all uh, practice, and this will help guide us. Uh, to live a more meaningful life. Yeah. I feel like it's really easy to fall into comfort. And going with the flow forces us to like push on beyond that of our own comfort zone. And sometimes to go with the flow, it can mean to expand beyond our usual amenities and push into a state of discomfort. 
um, if I were like if I were to stay within what I know, what I'm like 100% comfortable with, and what I'm good at, I'd be holding myself back from new opportunities to learn, and maybe get good at new things and have a a larger span of things that I can do comfortably. And in order to go with the flow, you must be ready to branch out from yourself. With every step out of the comfort zone, we're then pushed into our stretch zone. An uncomfortable, yet extremely important place to learn and grow. And as we seek discomfort, we expand on what we know as comfort, and things that were once a stretch then become, be, begin to feel comfortable. And going with flow can be very difficult, obviously. Um, and it's something we should all strive for, but... Of course, it's going to be hard. But if you're stuck in your comfort zone, it's going to be a lot harder. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what comes to mind that you guys might remember from two long years ago when you guys were sophomores, when we were studying world religion, and specifically Taoism, one of the cardinal virtues of Taoism <laughs> that relates to this is uwe, or effortless mm-hmm. action. And... Uh, it also makes me think of something else from Hinduism, the Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna is counseling Arjuna that the whole goal uh, should not be being concerned about the fruits of your actions because you don't know what the outcome will be. You can just give 100%. So all three of you are sort of mentioning those elements, being in the moment, finding flow, pushing one's comfort zone, not being so much concerned with the fruits of one's action, which naturally is sort of what school's about, being focused on the outcome and not so much just being in the moment. So I think, even though you all alluded to this, what kind of advice could you give people that might be rising, seniors to juniors this year, or even underclassmen, that uh, could help them find flow in an academic environment that often is so focused on outcomes, whether it be grades, test scores, and ultimately college, that can uproot us from being in the moment, and perhaps enjoying the journey, as you were saying. So what kind of advice, in addition to the advice you've already given, would you say to find that flow in environments or classes where you're kind of resisting? And and, and there's probably not a way that you're going to all of a sudden just love it, but make the most of it. What what, what would you guys say uh, to students, perhaps, or just any human struggling with that kind of a condition where they're like, I don't want to be here. (laughs) <laughs> but but there you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, it is easy to resist, and it, yeah. it always will be. That's like kind of kind of an easy way out to go into a class and maybe say, oh, this type of writing, you know, right. like maybe it's very like analytical writing. This like isn't my thing. I'm a creative writer. Right. And that's pretty easy to say, and it's kind of an easy way out. But there is maybe you are a creative writer and. You're looking at analytical writing like, oh, this is not my thing. There is always a way to put your an aspect of you into that. Right. And there's always a way to um, find that part of you in what you're doing, even if it seems like a polar opposite. Right. Yeah. And I feel like if you immediately are closing yourself off to whether it's a class or like someone, you can you're closing yourself off to all the possibilities that can happen once if you are able to open up to that and at least for me something that like a class for example that I thought I would not like and I closed myself off and I taught myself to sort of open up more and that ended up in that class specifically like help uh, ended up being like one of my favorites so 
that's sort of just an example. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, I heard a story about a, um, a college student who, um, he was taking all of his college courses and then um, a mistake had been made and he got put into a shoemaking class. Okay. Um, and at, <laughs> at first um, he hated it yeah. and didn't see any meaning in it. But by the end of the school year, um, mm. that class had given him balance to everything else. Wow. Because he was taking, like, you know, math and science and everything. Yeah. But that hands-on experience um, gave him a balance, which he really appreciated in his life. Right. Yeah, that's fascinating. One, I didn't even know they offer shoemaking classes in college. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that's instructive, the idea that finding balance... So especially if we're doing a lot of intellectual work in schools, how do you make sure to balance that with these other facets, hands-on and, and so forth? Take like a full day's worth of like philosophical or really hard calculus, but yeah. the minute you forced to make a shoe, you know, it's like... There you go. <laughs> it's, yeah. Now, uh, you know, uh, something else that comes to mind that I'd be curious, when you think of flow, you guys all know what it's like, respectively, basketball, surfing, uh, film, or music... And I'm sure there's other uh, aspects of your life where you find that. But when you think of who are exemplars or models of flow that you look up to, it could be people that are known or perhaps people that that aren't. Who comes to mind uh, when you think of these people really embody that sense of flow? I think pretty much um, like any jazz artist. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Because like those concerts... I mean, it's, it's honestly kind of like a basketball game, like Josh was saying, because yeah. they often have no idea where they're going to end up. Right. And it's, there's so much improvisation, so much unknown to what's going to happen, that like, the best concerts are when these, all these, like, mm-hmm. maybe it's five to maybe ten people right. are playing the same thing, and like, they all become one organism and just kind of move together. Yeah. And there's totally a flow to it. Yeah, that's a wonderful example. Yeah. Yeah, and um, someone I think about is uh, Steph Curry. He's a famous basketball player. and If you don't know who Steph Curry is, you've been living in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> and um, basically, he understands that he does not know what's going to happen in a game or the outcome, but he can. the one thing that he can control is how good of a teammate he is and how hard he plays. And I think that's pretty important to right. to know that you won't be in control of the situation and you have no idea the outcome, but still do what you can in your power. Yeah, that actually yeah, reminds me, good. before Kern has something to say, reminds me of this old school basketball player, Earl the Pearl Monroe. And the way he would just, as a small player, he would just charge the basket. People were always impressed. Someone asked him, uh, do you know what you're going to do? And he's like, no, if I don't know. They don't know. <laughs> and it's just a great response. Yeah. And what about you? When you think of exemplars or models of people that really uh, are living in a state of flow, uh, who comes to mind for, for you? Um, probably for me, um, John John Florence. He's a famous surfer. Okay. Um, but when he's surfing on a wave, uh, the board um, and him kind of like almost fuse as one. Right. Um, and then yeah. when he's carving or catching air, I mean, it just, it becomes like one one entity right? Um, on the wave. 
Makes sense. Yeah, great, great examples. Uh, so, you know, the one thing that it's making me think as you guys are all talking in some respects about improvisation, we don't know what's mm -hmm. going to happen and to find flow, you need to read and react to the conditions without a preconception of what is going to happen, which can be hard. Uh, and it makes me think of <clears throat> those uh, improv fundamentals that mm -hmm. we were talking about. One of the first podcasts, or the first podcast that I did, you guys listened to it with my friend Josh, who brings improv fundamentals. The fundamental, improv fundamental is yes and. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you guys were alluding to that. How do we not resist but say yes to yeah. what is and then adapt and make the most of it? Is there anything else when you think of flow, finding it, or what might obstruct it that comes to mind? Any, any last words? I mean, like with that improvisation, I feel like you can never, you can't, you can't and like what Josh was saying, Anchoring, you can't control what's going to happen. You can't control anything around you, but you can control your reaction to it. Right. And that reaction is key to being someone who can really go and take on whatever's kind of thrown at them right. and go with the flow. Yeah, adding on to that, there's a there's a group of guys that have a YouTube channel. Um, they're called Yes Theory. Yeah. Right. Um, and their motto is uh, seek discomfort. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes along with going with the flow. They say, they say yes and. Um, I mean, and they'll do, they'll they'll take subscribers and anyone, um, and help them experience and get over their fears. That's great. Which I think is pretty important. That's cool. Yeah, and um, I was sort of thinking back to sophomore uh, sophomore year, and I thought of the uh, Serenity Prayer. Okay. Says, yeah. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And sort of that first part sort of can relate to going with the flow, as in realizing that you can't change an outcome of a situation, but accepting it. And I think that's an important takeaway of going with the flow. Amen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful place to, to wrap it all up. Nicely. Yeah. So, so thank you very much for your input. It's been yeah. it's been fun. Yeah. Thanks. The theme we're going to be uh, delving into right now is called exploring what's in between, and it really poses this question: Is life simple or complex? Chaos theory says it's both, and moreover, it can be both at the same time. Uh, chaos theory reveals that what looks incredibly complicated may have simple origins, while surface simplicity may conceal something stunningly complex. So this is pretty fascinating. There's a lot of perhaps complexity to uh, to this particular theme, we'll, and we'll explore some some elements of it. Uh, the question I'll have for both of you is the question I have for everybody: What was it about this particular uh, theme? the simple and the complex that you found so captivating? Um, I, I find it really captivating because it's relatable and you see it every like every day in nature around you. Like everyone has obstacles in the day and everyone has a different experience. Like sometimes we see things as simple, but they turn out to be more complex. For example, like a leaf or a plant. Like far away, it looks like a simple leaf, but when we get in closer with our microscope, you can see there's a bunch of patterns on the leaf and it's not just simple. And also, this simple but complex concept can apply to many things that we see every day. So, like, if you look at Earth from space, you see 
a big mass of blue, white, and green. And it, it seems like maybe there's a few storms over there or something like that, but you, right. don't, you don't really see what's happening. When you go in closer, there's like wars and peace <laughs> and all these different stuff happening. Right. Yeah. Um, this is very intriguing. And from looking past the simplicity, we see that life is more complex than may initially appear. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then I know you had a really yeah. interesting uh, strategy, uh, mm -hmm. which I want you to talk about, which yeah. is when sometimes, and we all are familiar with this, life can feel so complex, it's overwhelming, right? Yeah. And, what, and what is a strategy you've come up with when you find yourself in those moments? Yeah, in those moments, I mean, especially now with all the college apps and everything, life just gets overwhelming. And I just have a moment where like, oh my God, this is way too much. Um, so finding for me that one simple thing that I can do that'll make everything calm down and not make me kind of centered. Um, it's really, it's just an anchor, you know? Um, so it can be from my mom telling me to wash dishes or um, from me folding clothes or packing um, or playing cello, you know, it can be many things, but just having that one thing that I know so well and that's simple, that's easy, um, it makes me feel so much better when I then face the complex and face all the things that I have to do. I'm like, I got this because I know this one test. So um, doing simple things um, can really help me when it comes to doing something really big and complex. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this, this actually reminded me of like me getting ready for college. And like when I'm doing homework or taking a test, I always have this habit of like picking an answer and then switching the answer because I get confused or something. And when I was studying for the ACT test, um, which helps me get into college, my tutors told me some like really big concepts and really important things to, to work on. They said one of the big, biggest test-taking strategies is to always stay with the first answer you picked. And the reason for this is because if you start to think more about it after you've already come to a conclusion, you would just make everything more complex and confusing when it's actually just really simple. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Occam's razor. Right. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, and they often do come hand in hand, I feel like. If you only have just the complex and life is always super busy for you, then um, uh, connect with time. It always um, yeah. will speed up. Um, yeah. But uh, really then finding uh, the balance between simple and complex, I think, is so important because then you address each situation and each thing that you do um, with more knowledge and with more patience. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, a question that I have, uh, so another part of this theme in the chapter was looking at stereotypes. Uh, and I think this is something that everyone in some capacity has encountered, uh, either has stereotyped somebody, maybe it seems innocuous, or has been on the receiving end of it. And, and just to help frame the way uh, this chapter explored it, which is, uh, the world is complex and is a way of trying to simplify. We create these metal models, these heuristics, these mental shortcuts so that we're not constantly pausing and trying to make sense of the world. So it has a lot of utility in terms of being able to navigate the world fluidly. Yet, it can also have its detrimental side because uh, they're stripped down models of the way the world or cultures or people are. And that can lead to stereotypes, which can lead to bigotry or sexism or racism. Mm -hmm. uh, some things that we explored uh, throughout the course of the semester. And so one of the things uh, that I know came up in class, and I'm curious to get your takes on this, is what are ways that we can guard against... Um, 
having a knee-jerk reaction of stereotyping some someone or a group, perhaps, because it strips the complexity mm -hmm. from them. Right. Uh, and what are the ways that you would recommend uh, people to guard against that tendency, which is inherent in all of us? Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, we do have this habit of you see someone in the day and they're mad or they say something to yeah. you and then you think they're going to... You think they they have a bad attitude or something, but you don't know. It could be like the um, the concept of subtle influence, where something happened earlier in the day and that affected them throughout the day. Right. But they're not really they're not really like angry at you. They're not trying to be rude or anything. And like the way to to not stereotype them is just to before you like assume or like react, just talk to them, and yeah, figure right. it out, or just give them space. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, communication. It's amazing how powerful and effective it can be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that we are scared of the complex. So oftentimes right. we want to make something simple and categorize people. Right. That's just our natural habit. Um, but I think when we first, before judging anything or anyone, right. we should think and be like, there's more to this situation. There's more to this person or this book. Um, uh, like, don't judge a book, judge a book by its cover. But um, yeah. just uh, really think before um and know that nothing is as simple as it seems mm -hmm. but yet it can be um once you get to know the person that things don't have to be so um i guess just like intense or the violence that stirs out of um any situation that is dealt from stereotyping so i guess just knowing the person knowing the situation knowing that there's always more mm -hmm. but realizing that um you don't have to um, do anything about it. That it's it's okay right. to just be like, this is the situation, and that um, you can keep it simple. Right. Um, as just two beings. Yeah. Yeah. Eden, I think you bring up a good point. I think it's a human tendency to want to simplify things into yeah. sort of a binary choice. It's true or false. It's black or white. And therefore, once you know what it is, then you can stop thinking. Um, this is around political issues, religious issues, whatever it might be. And, and I think by realizing that there's not only a gray area to life, but in fact it's kaleidoscopic, it requires a vulnerability, a questioning of assumptions. Uh, but that's where growth and evolution take place, right, is, yeah. is kind of in the, in the midst of it where it's raw and paper. It's not, it's not very clear. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So I guess perhaps it does take that sense of not only questioning your assumption, which means being vulnerable right. and going, well, yeah. what if I'm wrong? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. There's actually this story about this scientist named Herbert Froelich, and he was just trying to solve this uh, equation or formula, and he kept on uh, feeling and messing up, and he was like, dang, this is just too complex. And then he realized, oh, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. It's just complex, and that's the way it is. And then, like, a few weeks later, he was like, oh, wow, this is too simple. This does not make sense. So it all depends on the way you look at things. Right. If you stereotype something, you're not, it's going to, you can't, you can't just stereotype something. You can't just assume something is, is a certain way. It can actually go both ways. It can be complex or it can be more simple, depending yeah. on the way you think about it. Right. Definitely. You know, it makes me bring up uh, 
think of this quote that you, I know you guys have heard me say, one of my favorite quotes by one of my favorite uh, writers, oh, James, James Baldwin, Baldwin yeah. which I think really applies to this and so much that we all face. He says, not everything faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. So I think a huge part of looking at the complexity, the simplicity of just life in general is the ability to face things as they are mm -hmm. rather than right. as we want them to be. Mm -hmm. uh, so trying to rather than shoehorning reality into our own little version or model, it's really stepping outside those models, those cocoons, and going, what is really going on uh, right. in front of me in my world? Uh, which is exactly what you guys, I think, are, are mentioning. So absolutely. Yeah. Any, anything else to add about simplicity, complexity? or exploring what's in between those, uh, those, that, that spectrum? Yeah. Uh, just generally going through life, when you see things, they're, they could be complex, but they're really simple. They could be simple but complex. And try not to stereotype people. Try not to assume that they're a certain way. And be respectful of uh, your space around you. And think, if you think in that mentality, it'll be a lot easier to uh, do everything in life. Right. Mm -hmm. I know, at least, I just, like, hope that everyone has, like, something simple in their life to always go to. Um, so I know um, for a long time my mom, I guess I got this idea because my mom always told me when I got riled up to breathe. Yeah. Um, and that never really worked for me because I was like, you know what? No, I'm really mad. I don't just want to breathe, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I think that then I would just do something that I know, something right. simple. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go on a bike ride right. um, or like just <laughs> put Legos together, like something so right. simple that I've always known how to do. Um, and that really calmed me down because I realized it's okay. It's okay. This will pass. And I'm doing this right now. And this is, this is good. I like this. And so then I could face what was next and something more complex with um, having my mind more centered on something simple. Yeah. Great. Yeah, it's a great way to bookend the conversation yeah. <laughs> is reminding all of us what are those simple anchors we can choose to just bring us exactly. back to the moment and hopefully allow us to just be appreciative for what's in the yeah. moment, which is often not the drama that we've manufactured right. yeah. uh, that's from the past or anticipating the future. So I think mm -hmm. that's a, a great mm -hmm. rule of thumb. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you. <laughs>